In a moment, we'll be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 20. But before that, I just want to, as we think about this Father's Day and our Father, the Father who guards us as the apple of His eye, the one who is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. O Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of Your hands. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And if you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you who ask Him? But while He was still a long way off, His Father saw Him and was filled with compassion for Him, and He ran to His Son and threw His arms around Him and kissed Him. And the Father said to His servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on Him. Put a ring on His finger, sandals on His feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. For I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, a comforter, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Let's just take some moments this morning right here, whether it's silently where you're at or for you to lift up even just verbally out loud in front of others to say what many of you may be saying this day for those who have the opportunity to say it to your fathers. There may be many of you who say, you know, not just happy Father's Day, but thank you, Dad, or I love you. Making that opportunity to, to say that. To our earthly fathers, we should have that opportunity to say that as well. To our heavenly father, I know we just sang and we prayed, but did we actually say it? You know, sometimes there are so many things that just go unsaid. Not just between one another, but go unsaid between us and God. When was the last time you told your father that you love him? So we just leave some time here and... As something you want to do just before everybody to just say that, and you just shout that prayer out to him this day and let him know that you love him. Let's go ahead. Dad in heaven, I just want to tell you that I love you. I recognize that I don't say that as often as I should. And even as often as it should be showed. Lord, help us this day. Set us free. Holy Spirit, to express a heart of love, of thanksgiving, of gratefulness for a God who is our Father, who loves us with an everlasting love even when our love goes up and down like a roller coaster. For your love that runs after us even after we've run away. For your love. 
even at our worst. You not only gave your best, but you want the best for us. It seems hard to imagine how we could not love you. But as well, we recognize that it is hard for us, uh, even prayed your earlier service, I think if we tried as hard as we might from now to the day that we die, we still would not fully grasp how wide, how deep, how long the love of God really is. But help us to do that. To get a greater vision of your love for us and therefore your love for everyone around us. For not everyone in this world can call you Father. You are the creator of all, but not everyone is a part of your family. And yet you still love them and want that to take place. Lord, we are the ones to tell them and to show them. And I pray that you would prepare us for that even in this message this day, that you would speak to us, that that out of a love we we don't want to just express it and walk away. We want to have a love that says we will listen to you. Not just with our ears here, but with our whole being. Obey. So speak, Lord. And out of love, help us to listen and do what you've asked of us. Even in this, we thank you and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. And actually, once we read this, you want to keep your Bibles open there, uh, so to speak, so because we're going to not only go right down through chapter 20, but look at some of the uh, scriptures uh, and what's happening right around that. While you're turning there, I did forget an announcement earlier, and that is on uh, July 11th, Saturday, July 11th, there is going to be kind of a, uh, a cleanup day of sorts in Oil City where the churches are going to get together. Instead of trying to get us all together in one lump, which we can't really do because you can't have more than 250, we're going to have churches gather in separate lumps so to speak, uh, in different places throughout the community where we would volunteer and just do some work. Some of it may just be easy cleanup. Some of it may be putting a coat of paint on something or uh, moving some dirt or or uh, any number of things. And it will take place basically in two shifts on those days. So it doesn't have to take our whole day. But whether it's 9 to 12 and 12 to 3, basically working in those times um, there'll be a lot of things, and, and a lot of this is just us trying to get together and show uh, not only the, that we can work together with others to accomplish uh, this, but to be a witness to our community and uh, be a part of our community by helping out in a small way, uh, be a part of our community before Oil Heritage Days. So it's kind of like us saying, okay, we're going to get everything ready. We'll be a part of this. We are a part because we will not be able to be a part of Oil Heritage Days. 
with the way uh, things are going uh, and how that's going to go there. So this is our way to get involved. Now, First Samuel chapter 20. And uh, I want to skip over a couple of verses, I'll tell you, as we go through there. Uh, but First um, Samuel 20, verse 1. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? Have I, how have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? Never, never, Jonathan replied. You, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It is not so. But David took an oath and he said, Your father knows very well I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. And Jonathan said, whatever you want to do, I'll do for you. And so David said, look, look, tomorrow is the new moon festival and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening and the day after tomorrow. And if your father misses me at all, tell him David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because of the annual sacrifices being made there for his whole clan. And if he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. And as you show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into the covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said. If, if I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? And David asked, who will tell me if your father answers harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go into the field. So they went together. And Jonathan said to David, by the Lord, the God of Israel, I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. And if he is favorable, he is disposed towards you. I will send you word and let you know. But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it so ever so severely. If I did not let you know and send you away safely. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, but show me unfailing kindness like that the Lord as long as I live so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. Let's skip down to verse 24. Verse 24, so David hid in the field, and when the new moon festival came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in the customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan and Abner and next to Saul, but David's place was empty, and Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David that made him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. And Saul said to his son, Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in a town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, you are a son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. And Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. And Jonathan got up from that table in fierce anger. And on that second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved. And his father 
because of his father's shameful treatment of David. And in the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, Run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out after him, Isn't the arrow beyond you? And he shouted, Hurry, go quickly. Don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing at all about only Jonathan and David knew. Here we have on Father's Day an example of not just a bad dad, but a mad dad, right? I mean, this is kind of, you got in this story here the good, the bad, and the ugly about what's going on with this dad. And let's face it, dads do get upset about things sometimes. Remember that video we watched at the beginning? Things dad never says. How many of those things, not only did dad say, but he was a little upset about? In fact, maybe if you couldn't find it on any of those, how about we do part two? Part two of things dad never said. And as you listen, think about, are these things dad never got angry about? Uh, Let's see that. is always fair. I really enjoy repeating myself over and over again. I just love when the kids talk back to me. I don't care if you get a job this summer. I don't care if you get detention. Uh, uh, I can't open this jar. See if mom can open it. Just take your time in there, okay? No means maybe. Hey, why don't you bring that ball inside and play with it? Hey, don't put that back where you found it. Just leave it on the floor. Ew, bacon. If you put a dent in the car, it's really no big deal. It's 10 a.m. Go back to bed. Look, whatever your friends are doing, just do the exact same thing. I got more than enough sleep last night. If your friends are okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Stop signs are just a suggestion. You don't need a chaperone. You don't need a seatbelt. You don't need a savings account. You should buy the jeans with the holes in them. Hey, we're all going to go to church, but you can just sleep in, okay? Can we please just hang out in here for another 10 minutes? Hey, can we get some more bickering back there? All right, bills. Yay, traffic. Woohoo, taxes. Yes, laundry. Hey, can you kids come in here and jump on my bed? Quick, go tell mom what happened right away. You don't need to finish your dinner. Hey, look at your phone when I'm talking to you. I wish I had a smaller TV. We got you that phone for a reason. Texting boys. All right, everyone, listen up. Mom and I are going out of town this weekend, so please mess up the whole house while we're gone. Please throw a few parties while we're gone. Please forget about the dog entirely while we're gone. Hey, when you're finished pouring that, can you just leave it out on the counter all day? Thanks. So how many heard some things that Dad might have been a little upset about at times? Uh, Yeah, you know, there's definitely... Uh, a few of those things that uh, Dad not only didn't say that, but he said the opposite of those things as you think about them. You know, here's the thing in our world today. It's not really uh, just to talk about dads who are mad. Uh, let's face it, we could pretty much talk about anybody. Everybody seems to be mad in some ways. The world is just full of madness. Uh, Not a craziness, but an actual mad mess 
a growing anger that is all around, that just has become the norm. We see in our passage today this good, bad, and ugly of anger as we look at Saul, a dad who definitely had a problem, a problem that needed to change, a problem that needs in all of this, needs to change in what's going on around us. Well, how do we do that? How do we get to where God wants us to get? Well, today we're going to begin by looking at the first step, and that's whoa, and that's to get real about being really angry. And not just really angry, but get real about being angry to begin with. It, it's, it's a lot easier for our anger to turn bad if we're not even recognizing it's there, if we're ignoring it or denying that it, it, it happens, that it's going on, that you can't diffuse it. You think about our society today, most people, most people that you talk to, most people that you hear out there would admit that there is a lot of anger. It's not about one thing, even. It's anger that's been happening. And it's only gotten more and more and more in the last few months or so. You know, you can go back a number of months, but even before, it's just... It, they would just say, yes, it's, it's just there's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of people who are angry. But not me. I'm not angry. It's amazing how many people are like, there's a lot of anger in the world today, but not me. Everybody's saying not me. Come on. I mean, not everybody. But it, it just can't, can't, both of those things cannot be true. We need to get real about what is. I, to say, well, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not angry. I, I'm just upset. Uh, okay, it's pretty much. Yeah, we don't get that. So, so what you're saying is. You're not angry, which means the opposite of angry. You're you're peaceful about what you're hearing and what's being said. Are, are, are you saying you're good? You're calm? You're comforted? You're at ease? You're content? All antonyms to being angry? Well, uh, uh, no, but I'm not over the top angry like some people. And so because we're not as angry as somebody else... We deny that we are angry. The first step in getting to what we need to get to God, getting in line with God regarding our anger, is to admit to it, to recognize it is real. You know, I'm sure we've seen the person that just said, I, I am not angry. I, no, I am not angry. Don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't you tell me that I'm angry. I am not. I don't have a problem with anger. I, I, I got no problem with anger. I don't know what your problem is, but it's not my problem. We're never going to get in line with God's word if we're not first going to get real about the real anger that is there. And we can't say just because we're not as angry as somebody else. And that's what David's trying to do is get real about what's going on here as he comes back. You see, and, and before David had to leave because of the anger, because of what was going on with Saul, he had to leave. 
But here we have David in verse... It says, David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father? How is he, why is he trying to take my life? There's anger problem here. There's something going on. And David's like, I, I want to I just resolve this. I want to get to it. And, and he knows just going to Saul is not going to be the way. So he goes to his son, Jonathan, to try to help him with this, to be able to know what's going on. And, and what does Jonathan do? David's like, I want to really just, let's just reel about this anger problem, what's going on. And Jonathan says in verse 2, never. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without me confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's just not so. He's not angry. He's not going to try to kill you. That's not what's going on. And David just goes on and, and says, that, that, that's just not so. Jonathan, in fact, in verse 3, he says, I'm, there's only a step between me and death. There's only a step between me and death. And so Jonathan kind of gives in, if you will, and says, okay, well, whatever you want to do, they devise this plan. You see in verses 5 to 8 there and what they're going to do and how they're going to go about it. But all the while, Jonathan is not getting real about the anger that exists. That exists within his father and his anger that exists especially towards David. And if all we did was read chapter 20, maybe we would say, well, Jonathan's just trying to, to be... You know, it's his dad. And David's his friend. Jonathan's just trying to be positive. Jonathan's just trying not to get negative about... You know, he's just not going to go there. Jonathan's not minimizing the anger. Jonathan's not ignoring it. He's not forgetting and not dealing with reality. Except we have more than chapter 20. Look at chapter 19. All you have to do is to turn the page or flip down on your... Uh, other ways of doing it. Chapter 19, verse 1. All right, so Jonathan just told David, never, his dad's not angry, he's not going to kill you. A chapter before, verse 19, verse 1. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I will speak to him about you and you and will tell you what I find out. Now, first of all, Jonathan's like saying, No, my dad's not angry. Everything's cool. You know, it's not going on. It's not just 19. We can go back a number of other chapters or times where Saul tried to kill David. But, but maybe this is where, you know, again, not getting real about the anger that's there and trying to deal with it. Maybe it's because Jonathan thinks he already did deal with it. Let's, we're back in 19, chapter 19, verse 4, as Jonathan's speaking with his father Saul, the king. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you. And what, has he, done, what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hand, and when he killed the Philistines, the Lord won a great victory for all of Israel and saw it, and you and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So David, you don't have to worry. My dad's not angry. He's not going to kill you. He told me so. Really? I've got to deal with reality. What somebody says versus the reality of what is. 
His dad told him so. But he should know that's not really the truth. That's not the truth. And, and he should also be able... I mean, sometimes, let's face it, as we're trying to talk to people about this, what did, what did Jonathan do? He just tried to talk sense, sensibly and, and logically with his father. Not often does it work to just come at somebody with logic and sense who is incensed with anger and think that that's just going to convince it and it's going to change it. We've got to get real about the anger that needs to be dealt with as well. And to deal with that, because it was still there. Saul said this to David, but look. Look, look you're back in chapter 19, hopefully still. Look at verse 9. But an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with a spear. And while David was playing the harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. Just a couple of verses before that. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to kill him. I'm not mad. And for all that matters, it doesn't stop there. You go on down to verse 15. So actually right there, you know, Saul sent men in verse 14 to capture David when he was there with Michael, his David's wife and Saul's daughter, making sure we're following this. So they, Saul sends men, verse 15, Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, bring him to me. All right, so they first go to get him. Michael says, ah, he's sick, he's in bed. You know, you can't come to the, you can't come right now. So Saul says, okay, if he's sick in bed and can't come to me, bring the whole bed. Bring the whole bed. Why? Bring the whole bed. Why? Verse 15, bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. How can we miss what really is going on here? An anger that is bad, an anger that is ugly, not good, not godly. I know for some people, they say, well, my anger is not as extreme as Saul. I mean, that's, that's way out of here. You know, in fact, my anger is not really that bad. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I have some anger, but it, it's just neutral. There's no neutral anger. That, that's not something that exists. In fact, if anything, the Bible, when it talks about anger, has less to do with the good than it does with the bad. The Acts in verse uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. The whole sinful nature. But more than that, it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, Now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. All centering around anger, all of which you can just go on Facebook and read any of those. Or any other kind of social media. I'm not just picking on Facebook. And yet, this is what it's saying right here. We need to get real about the anger and what God says about being in line with Him in this. 
Obviously, it's possible Jonathan wasn't completely oblivious to his father's behavior, maybe as well. It's that Saul was like this, and, and it's just like, well, it's just the way he is, and he's not really that bad. He's a good guy. Maybe he flies off of the handle, but it's not personal. And we have all these kinds of things that we, we, we can excuse it for somebody else or for ourselves. But how many of us know somebody that you've got to walk on eggshells around? How many of us know somebody that if it's not walking on eggshells around you, it, they're like a ticking time bomb and you're never really sure when they're going to go off? And I would imagine if I asked for a show of hands, or most of our hands would go up. We know somebody like that. But then if I ask, are you, are you that somebody like that? Maybe somebody would have the guts to put their hand up, but I don't think there'd be too many because it's like we all know somebody, but it's not us. We got to get real about this before God. You know, there's, and I know we talk about the news. I'm not going to downplay that uh, in a sense, but there's something that has not really truly been covered by the, by any of the news media a virus i mean we've been we know about the covid 19 right it's not really a question uh we 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 know about that but they haven't been telling us about the other virus yeah and 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 it's it's pretty obvious i mean once i tell you i think you'll know that you've heard it and You've heard of the COVID-19, but for some reason we haven't heard about livid 2020. You know, we're just livid about everything in 2020. It's a virus. Now, I don't mean a virus like it's attacking your health, but it is a virus that is spreading all over. It is spreading all over about everything. It's spreading not just all over in our world and what you see all over and between people and between all kinds of different things. It's spreading into our homes. As if our homes don't already have enough problems and tensions in it, we are allowing that virus from the outside to come in and there are more tensions happening in our homes now than they were before. There are more people looking and talking about divorce now than they were before because of this virus. We need to get real about what is going on with anger. And being willing to admit even to be able for someone just to say, Hello, my name is Larry, and I'm an angerholic. Right? To admit that. I, I believe there are some people that are, in a sense, addicted to anger. They have this habit. It's just, it's just constant. It never, it never stops. And, and believe me, it's, it's easy when you have this habit of anger because there are plenty of, of anger drug dealers out there. You can go to the news media, social media. You can get your people in your own camp and just feed off of one another. You can be like the Hulk and always be angry. Uh, you know, it just doesn't always show. It just keeps, keeps it going. But no, not me. Uh, you know, yes, I get frustrated. Yes, I get tired of stuff. Yes, I, I'm irritated. But you know what? Because we don't explode doesn't mean that we're not angry. 
how many really are just upset most of the time about all the things that are going what you hear this you hear that what's going on or just upset even in our own homes about this or about that it's just constantly upset we're constantly on boil anger that's not in line with what God wants for us with a very clear teaching of what the Word of God says. I, I know there are some people who are like, I don't, I don't like this at all. I don't like this preaching about anger stuff. And There's no place for it in the church. We need to hear something theological. None of this emotional stuff. Better tell that to Jesus. Because he talked about anger. And all throughout the Bible, there are plenty of things, not just descriptive like we're looking at here, but prescriptive. In fact, I said, Jesus, let's look at his words here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus said, you heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And I guarantee you, he doesn't say this, I'm saying this, I guarantee you, there are people saying a whole lot worse than just you fool. These are his words. Right here. Not mine. Not trying to preach some emotional, psychological thing here. These are his words. I'm looking that way, by the way. These are his words. I'm looking at the ones I can see on the back screen. These are his. Saul is not getting real about his problem and neither are we. He's, you know, and for Saul, he's the one in the right. He is right. Everyone else has gone mad. It just, you know, and he proves it. He's able to just be calm because look on that first day. It comes time to eat. The whole plan is starting to work out here. And so uh, on verse 24... You know, he hides out, verse 25, the customary places by the wall, opposite Jonathan Abner's, but David's place is empty. And so Saul, on the first day, Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David. Make him unclean, you know. Saul's like just kind of real chill about it. Oh, David's not here. You know, it's okay. Because if he was really looking to kill him, you know, he just right then and there, like, where are we going to need to stick my spear in him? No, no, no. He's just kind of, everything's cool. David's not here today. I'm cool. But the next day, verse 27, but the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. And Saul says to his son, Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal? either yesterday or today. Now, I don't know whether he said it nicely or whether he said a little bit, you know, starting to boil. You know, the, it, it wasn't starting to boil. He's already been boiling the whole time. It just started to come up. In, in a sense, verse 27 here, this question, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today is like taking a grenade and pulling the pin. So, why is David not here? I, I want to know. I want to know. He's got the pin out of the grenade, just waiting. And then what happens? Jonathan answered. 
David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I found favor in your eyes, get away, see my brothers. That is why he's not come to the king's table. Now, I suppose we think, well, we didn't ask and, you know, he's not there, so maybe he's all angry. Technically speaking, Jonathan, king's son, Jonathan, is somebody who would be David's uh, immediate supervisor, commanding officer, somebody that David could actually report to, not just as a friend, but as official, and could ask off and could have that permission granted to him. That's not really what the question of Saul was about, though. That's not why he's holding the grenade in his hand as he's asking it, so to speak. He really wants to know what's going on. As he asked that question, and then in verse 30, in verse 30 of chapter 20, the grenade drops. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You are a son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as that son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you or your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. It just explodes. The language that's used here for that, that word anger, flaring up, the burning with anger, a red nose, red face, seeing red. But it's also a word that implies an action is to follow. Not just I'm angry, but he's so angry he's going to do something about it. It's bad. It's ugly. And Saul drops this all over Jonathan and over everybody that's there attacking Jonathan's mother with shrapnel hitting everyone. He was, but, 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 but what happened? Two days ago, he was just so calm. Two days ago, he was, it was just, there was nothing. I mean, what, I, I, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. It just seems like a sudden outburst. How many times have we seen that in our lives around us? Whether it's ourselves or somebody else. Out of the blue, just an explosion takes place. It doesn't even make sense. How are they so angry over all this? They're so angry because they already were angry. They already were angry, and maybe not even angry about the thing that just happened, but it's just that the anger was boiling already, and this got dropped in. There can be a sense that what Saul was doing was what Saul was doing was what so many people who do now when you get angry and give vent to their anger. They try to say, Well, I, I I wasn't angry before this. I was fine. It was what this person said, it was what this person did. And, and not deal with the reality that it is coming from us and not somebody else. Yeah, but 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 they you, you just don't get it. They, they need to, I'd be fine if they did just stop making me angry. If they just stopped doing this or stopped saying this, then I wouldn't be angry. No, you need to get real about our, your own anger and stop using others as excuses and somehow claim that we are being manipulated like puppets to be out of control instead of being within the Holy Spirit's control. Ephesians chapter 4. 
when you talk about how the Holy Spirit fits in with this and His control, Ephesians chapter 4, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed the day of redemption. These parentheses are things I just put in there just to say how do we do that, we think about it. But how many of us see we've heard about grieving the Spirit? Oh, maybe we've heard messages about grieving the Spirit and all that. Okay, grieving the Spirit. What is that, somebody asked. Well, you know what? Scripture interprets Scripture. Right here it says... The direct, not to say the other things are wrong, but directly and very clearly talking about do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed. So how do you do that? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's how you don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We need to get our lives in line. I get real about anger and what it's doing, the bad and the ugly about it all over us. Now, here's where we're not going to go on to, uh, obviously, point two. And I figured figure that out in the first service, recognizing that really next week we want to kind of hit on right, how do we deal with good? Where's the good anger? How do we get there? How do we get what sometimes we say the righteous as it deals with this story and what's going on? But here's something, and I'll try to be even briefer than I was in the, in the first service, that sometimes some of you know about, and it's just not asked, and so I'm going to try to quickly address and recognize it, maybe talk about it later if you want. But in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, it talks about how God... The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. That language was used, I just read it in chapter 19 as well. An evil spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now if you just read that in just those words without really kind of studying and trying to look into that, we think somehow, well, God gave Saul a demon and he's the reason, the demon's the reason that Saul's all angry and so it's not really his fault. Not true. Not true at all. Again, the Word of God, we always have to line it up with the rest of the Word of God. Not just look at one verse and what we're doing, but to line it up with the rest. And we recognize in James chapter 1, God speaks very clearly that God does tempts no one. That God does not tempt anyone to sin. He is not the one that's the cause of the sin in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't go there. He doesn't do that. But everyone who is tempted in their own evil desires is carried away and in that, in that lust. And it's, got, it's worse. And you just kind of get more and more into it until finally you're over all the way into sin and then into death. You can read that in James 1, verses 13 to 15. That we are responsible ultimately for sin. Saul is responsible for his. So what this is talking about, it could have a number of different meanings. Even as you look at the words there uh, that are translated in different versions, not evil, uh, evil demonic spirit, but just a wicked or a harmful spirit or a tormenting spirit. And not just a spirit, but an attitude, a strong thing that just kind of overtakes somebody. There, there's a sense that this is where it doesn't have to be what exactly as we're reading it here it doesn't have to be something demonic it could be something that deals with our own soul our own flesh that Saul already was just kind of going this direction and God says okay you're choosing to walk away from me you're choosing to not obey me you're choosing to have these feelings toward David and others you got this anger that's out of control guess what and really God did take his hands off of Saul 
took his hand and his blessing off of Saul. So God just takes his hands off of Saul and says, Listen, I'm just going to let you go the way you're going. No longer protecting you. You know, there's that sense where it, it, uh, Paul talks about handing somebody over to Satan. There's that sense where Romans chapter 1 where he gave them over to their... They were already that, going that direction, gave them over to their, their unnatural lusts and just kind of went all the way. Saul could have just gone all the way in what he was already a part of his makeup of what he was doing, the direction he had chosen for his life. It could already be that which is, is, is consuming him, not only mentally but emotionally. Recognize that sometimes there are mental and emotional problems that people have with anger that go beyond just, hey, you've got an anger problem. It's something more than that. And it needs to, you need to get real about that and recognize that it's not just a problem with anger. There's something more. For some, it's a sin problem. But for others, it really is a Satan problem. I was saying all the time, but even with this, as you think through this, for others, there are times. Where, think about Judas. We read right before, as he's getting ready to deny Jesus, that it talks about Satan coming in, right? Did that suddenly turn Judas around and make him really bad person and he just suddenly got bad when that happened? Judas was already heading that direction. But the door was open, wide open for Satan to come in. And we need to recognize that in our anger, and that's why I'm taking a little extra time this morning to say this, it wasn't in my... It wasn't in my plan to talk about it. But it may be that there's somebody here or somebody that's listening to us that really needs to hear this. That sometimes in this anger that's out of line, we are giving a direct line for Satan to get a foothold, if not a stronghold in our life. And that needs to be dealt with. And sometimes it's not something that you can just deal with yourself, but understand this, your Heavenly Father who loves you with an everlasting love, who wants to, who loves you enough that He doesn't want to keep you that way, has the power to help. But sometimes you have to seek help from others. Sometimes you have to go get counsel from somebody as it deals with some of the, the, the struggles emotionally and mentally, what's going on to help you get to wherever that is. For other people, like I said, it's a sin problem that it, it originates from bitterness and, and unforgiveness that's just kind of continued on and you've got this anger that you've got over here over this one thing that now has just continued to boil and spread until it's affecting every relationship you have. But for others, it is a direct Satan having his foot in the door or more than that in our life. And we need to get real about this and not just think everybody's that way. It doesn't matter what everybody is. What is Jesus? What are the words that we've read here said how we should be and to go that way? Ask the worship team to come. You know, as long as we stay parked in the anger zone, we're not going to be able to move forward to what God wants to do in our life. To admit to that, to talk about it, to talk about it with others, to just find a victory and find the place that's in line with where God wants for us. Our Father, who is amazing, great Father, who wants to help us. Lord, 
we come to you. So, Father, you desire our best. Even at our worst, you believe. Not so much in us, but your faith, so to speak, is not in what we can do, but in what we, you can do in us. Help us to have faith, to trust. And not put this aside or ignore it or deny it or minimize, but to recognize that our anger is most of the time not in line with you especially when we're just constantly there. Deliver us from this, that we may be the salt and light that you want us to be in our world, and that people would hear and see your love, not merely anger. Oh, Jesus, help us.